Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Security, Security Confidential. And today we are honored to have Ken Underhill join us. Ken has his own show on cybersecurity, and he is a best-selling author. Um, so hoping that I'll get to talk a lot less uh, and he can he can take over as a as a talk show host here. But um, Ken is the CEO and executive producer and host of Cyber Life. Uh, he's the best-selling author of Hack, the Cybersecurity Interview, a complete interview preparation guide for jumpstarting your cybersecurity career. Uh, you might have seen him before. There we go on uh, Forbes, Reader's Digest, Tech Republic, Fox, NBC, Dark Reading, several places. He's a well-known person. We're honored to have a, a big name like him. Thanks for being here, Ken. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so... Ken, I, I got to ask you, you know, I, I looked a little bit at your background and you obviously have a, a, a deep education in, in cybersecurity, but here you are doing a show. So uh, what gives? <laughs> yeah. So back in uh, back in the pre-COVID days, back in the ancient days, uh, I had a podcast called Cyber Life. People wanted to basically stalk me when I went out to Black Hat in Vegas. And so I oh. created the podcast just for that, to give my thoughts as I did the conference and stuff. And that blossomed into probably about, it's probably like four or five months after that, I got an opportunity to, uh, some people I knew were creating a, a media company and, and they said, hey, do you want your own TV show? And I'm, I'm big on opportunity favors the bold. So I always, like, if there's an opportunity comes, I say, yeah, yes, even though I have, even though I have no clue what I'm going to do. So I had no clue what I wanted to do a show on, didn't have a name for it, anything. I just said yes to that. Uh, so they asked, what do you want the name to be? The only thing I could think of was cyber life, which is my podcast. And then they said, what's it about? I said, cybersecurity. And of course we all know that could mean a million different things. So the, yeah. the show was born and because with the pandemic and everything, it delayed production, all that stuff. So it actually came out last year. I was with that other media company and then I changed to a different media company uh, I think it was November, December of last year, and it just kaboom! It just exploded. Now I'm in over 300 uh, media outlets globally, Amazon, Roku, all that stuff. Just a few million people a month watch the show across all, you know all those channels. So it just exploded from there, and it's and it's really cool because unlike social media, and and even podcast platforms you're really at the mercy of them tomorrow. They could shut down and you have no options and they tomorrow they could say right. they don't like, as you said, this one thing and now you're banned forever. Whereas with a TV show, I can, I can literally say whatever I want. I keep it G rated, but I can say whatever I want to on the show <laughs> and nobody cares. And my guests can say whatever they want. That's very impactful for people from disadvantaged backgrounds, specifically minority individuals or those from you know disadvantaged backgrounds where they can actually share their voice without a biased algorithm blocking them. So for me, it's, it's very impactful for, for them to get out there, get their face out there, get their message out there, get their wisdom out there. And then from there, there's some little kid out there that's going to see someone that looks just like them on TV and say, Ooh, what's the cybersecurity stuff I want to get, you know, I want to go down that path. So that's, that's really the purpose behind the show as well. So have you uh, given up, uh, on being a cybersecurity practitioner, then Ken is no, I, I still get in, doing yeah, that. I still get in trouble. No, so I, I run so Cyber Life as as a brand as a whole. It's a training school, a training training company. So we do, of course, the B two B side, but also consumer market. We have the Cyber Life School, which the vast majority of stuff on there that's being built is going to be free or low cost, just okay. because we don't want economic barriers for anyone. And I can share a story around that if you want, please. Um, and and then. Uh, uh, under that umbrella, we also have the Cyber Life Television Show, which is kind of the media division part of that. Uh, so yeah, the story behind the Cyber Life School. Just one example is I had a I had a course years ago on forensic stuff, and people okay. are always asking for free stuff. I'm sure. I mean, if you own a company, you know people are like, "Oh, give me, give me, give me." Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> you're like, "I know this." And it's, so I had, okay. you know, people always reach out for, give me the course for free. This one gentleman reached out. He was in Bangladesh. He reached out for free. At first I was like, yeah, forget you. You know, like, come on, it's 10, <laughs> it's 10, it's $10. It's, it's $10 for a course. Like that's less than Starbucks. Yeah. But they're but, in Bangladesh. No, exactly. Yeah. All. And so he was like, no, that's, that's my, that's like my average monthly salary. And so I looked it up because I'm like, let's do some fact checking here, buddy. I don't believe you, yeah. but no, it's true. And so I was like, oh crap. Yeah. There's people out there all over the world that cannot afford the things that we take for granted here in the United States. 
So I gave him a, a coupon to take it for free. I said, make me proud. Heard nothing back. And I don't look at students as they're going through stuff. I don't really monitor that because most people aren't going to do anything. And so from my experience. And so uh, it was probably like six, maybe seven months later, I get a message from the guy. And he's just like, oh, thank you so much. Give me all this praise, you know, and uh, thank you so much. You know, you changed my life. And and he was saying, wow. sharing how he took that course and then he was able to get a job. And that job he was able to get with uh, whatever, some government agency or whatever over there, he was actually able to send his young daughters to school finally. He was actually able to have the money to do wow. so. And so I started kind of at that point, you know, it's, you when you create courses or books or, or anything and people share their stories and stuff, you don't at least I didn't fully recognize or appreciate the bigger impact that type of stuff has of sharing your knowledge with the world. And that's where I realized like, Oh, it's not just this one person and getting a job or something like that. It's more about the ripple effect. Cause now his daughters get educated. Now they may have some, you know, maybe they turn right. out to be a heart surgeon that figures out a new solution or whatever to where you can just click a button and, and magically all your, you know, atherosclerosis goes away. By the way, that doesn't exist yet. So if you're out there yeah. eating cheeseburgers, don't count on that. D don't count. <laughs> but but it was really a it was really a moment for me to realize that that there's a, a huge ripple effect out there when you're sharing your knowledge. And and honestly, one thing I realized, I'll share one other story real quick. I know we got to be mindful please. of time because I tend to talk a lot, Manaj. You, no, you were talking about, you know hey, what? we'll stay at our limit. I'm like, we're going to go for like eight hours here. So no, you know what? I, 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 look, I talk a lot. Uh, well, I, and being a, a somewhat of a podcast host, that goes with the uh, the territory. So it's great having somebody else on that can pick up for me, and I can be quiet for a change <laughs> and really listen because these stories always fascinate me. It's the story that's the real deal, you know. That's so. Yeah, please, absolutely. another story. All right, I, we'll we'll give you another story. So i I created a course years ago. It was a course on on health. And very, very basic stuff. Okay. Like you should eat vegetables. I mean, it, stuff that we kind of take for granted again and, and vitamins and minerals and kind of explain things and, and all that amino acids, all that stuff. It was very generic kind of course. And I put it out for free. And so, of course, there's hate mail. Anytime you create content, someone's like, you're a jerk and you should die and you should kill yourself. <laughs> and all these loving messages you sure. get from people on the internet. And so I got a lot, I kept getting a lot of those, <laughs> a lot of the hate mail. <laughs> And, uh, and I, one, and so it was, I, I think it was a Sunday, if I recall correctly, Saturday, it was a weekend. I remember it was like raining here where I am, you know, thunderstorm kind of that. It's like almost like a novel, right? It's like, oh, it's a thunderstorm and it's dark and you know, all these things going on and you hear spooky sounds and I didn't hear spooky sounds, but you, you get the idea. And so I, I logged in cause I was like, man, forget these people, like screw them all. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to ever create something again. Like they can all just, you know, eat cheeseburgers and go to hell, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And so so I logged in, you know, and, and I'm seeing, I mean, literally, man, there's like 60, 70 just jerks, just, you know, uh, you suck. Trolls, and, you know, man. Right. Yeah. You burn in hell, you know, all these things. I'm like, God, what? what hey, that's part yeah. of the territory, man. So <laughs> no, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. And that's what you got to realize, right? The more successful you are, the more people you help, the more a-holes are going to be <laughs> out there. But so I'm looking through all these messages and um, I was like just about to, to, to unpublish a course because like, you know, forget it. I give up. And there's still probably like, I don't know, 20 more messages or something I had to go through. And something said like, look at the next one. Look at that next message. Just look at one more. And I was like, all right, whatever. You know, let's, let's see what this a-hole has to say. And so it was actually turned out to be this guy named Miguel. I wish I remembered where he's from because I would love to track him down. Don't remember his last name or anything. But he sent me this message and he shared a story. And he said that about six months prior, he was in the hospital, had a liver transplant. Oh my. And the doctors came in and were like, look, your body's rejecting it. I think he was in Spain or something, Spain or Mexico. I can't remember. Wow. But basically, your body's rejecting the liver. And you've got about six months or less, you're going to be dead. You know, so kind of get your affairs in order and whatnot. Well, the thing is, his daughter was supposed to graduate high school in just about six months. And he wanted to see her walk across stage. And so... He went online, you know, searching. And I mean, God, there's so much information online. You're just like, oh, mind blown. I don't know what to do. So he got frustrated. He said he closed his laptop down and just you know, sat there and kind of cried a little bit in the hospital. And then something in his gut said, just do one more search. And somehow he found my course. Like I didn't do marketing or anything you know, back then. So I don't know how he found the course, but somehow he found it. He went through it. The way I teach things, he like resonated with like a lot of people. Wow. And 
he more importantly actually like took the information and like did something with it instead of just sitting on his ass. And so he, uh, what he shared is that, you know, he got healthier and by eating healthier, he actually, uh, the doctors were amazed because his body stopped rejecting the new liver. He got, you know, he was able to get a hospital wow. and everything. And he sent me that message. It had to be a Sunday. Cause, cause normally they do graduations, like at least here in the States to do it over the weekend and stuff. So he, um, he uh, sent me that message and he was saying that the day before he was able to watch his daughter, you know, walk across the stage and graduate. And he was just, you know, thank you. Thank you. All this stuff. And, wow. and like, I immediately forgot all about the assholes out there. We may have to blur, blur, blur out some nah, of this. Swearing, yeah, but, there's a lot of them I'm, out yeah, there. Yeah. No. Oh God. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's like, you can have a, you can have a, you could post a cute photo of like a cute little puppy or cat. And they'll be like, burn in hell. I'm like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, like, like it or unlike it. You know? But anyways, you know, Miguel shared his story. And so like immediately then, like, like it was just like a pivot in my mind where I just like turned a switch, so to speak. And I blocked out all those haters. Cause I mean, they kept coming, I mean, yes. but, but every time I, I dealt with a hater, every time I, from that point moving forward, put out a course or, or, you know, later years, put out a podcast or whatever video, I always think about people like Miguel and their stories and say, well, I don't do it for the haters. Like I could care less. You could all die tomorrow. I don't care. It has no effect on me. I assure you, but there's, there's a Miguel out there or, you know, whomever you are out there that, that needs that message that needs the information that can only learn from me and not somebody else. And that's one thing I also realized and why I shared the story on Miguel is we all have a gift and people oftentimes we do things that we think are like just regular Yep. And other people think it's so extraordinary of, of the things that we do. And, and it's honestly, it's a disservice to the world if you're not willing to share that through whatever medium you're comfortable with. It could be a video. It could be a podcast. It could be writing a book. It could be blogs. It could be a million different ways, right? There's a lot of ways to, yeah. to share that. But I think that it's a huge disservice from the world because there's someone out there that can literally only learn from you. They will never, never be able to learn that topic unless you teach them. And so I think that's maybe a message for the audience listening here that, that all of you, all of you listening right now, you have a gift and you think it's something just regular. You you don't even think about it usually, but usually you can check with the people that are around you, like your loved ones, friends, whatever. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, you're really good at whatever. Maybe it's painting or gardening or, right. or cooking or something like that. And, and you take it for granted because it's like, it comes naturally to you. But it's something that somebody else would really love to do. And, and again, they can only learn from you. And and let's just use cooking as an example. Maybe you put a video out and you, and you throw it on YouTube. I don't use TikTok. So you throw it on YouTube yeah. where somebody 10 years from now can still find the, the freaking thing. And they look at it and then they become a world-renowned chef because they watched your video at age 10. You never know what, what kind of impact that is. Um, I'll give you an example. with the with, I think we'll talk about the book a little more later. But... Uh, when we put the cover out of the book before it even launched, I posted that on LinkedIn and this young woman said, I finally feel like I belong because of this cover. I finally feel like I belong in cybersecurity because I see someone like me on the cover you know, of this book. And so those, those things that we That's take true. for granted, like for us, we just didn't want the hacker in the hoodie, right? We were like... Not everyone's a hacker in a hoodie. <laughs> yes, it's hacker. Well, that's the, the you know, I so. mean, that's the 99.99999% of people think that's oh, yeah, the people yeah. who practice cybersecurity. Oh, the yeah. hacker in the hoodie. Well, I got my hoodie in the other room. You know, I, I want to tone it down for this episode. But, uh... <laughs> but see, it, it strikes me that you're actually, you have a real sense of purpose here. And, and you're actually trying to make a meaningful difference. And, you know, I think that gives a lot of meaning to what you're doing. And th and that's a wonderful thing. I Yeah, so I'll share um I'll share another story and then we we can we can move on. I'll I'll stop with the stories <laughs> after being here. No, uh, uh, so I grew up very very yeah. poor. Extreme very poor like a lot of people. I mean, there's actually a lot of people in cyber that had very similar backgrounds in a way. Whether they grew up in the city or or more in the country like I did. But I grew up in a rundown trailer, you know, you'd fall through the floor because it was all rotted. The roof was rotted, so it wow. always leak and stuff like that. Underneath the trailer uh, number one, it was a very small space. It was probably about when you first went under there, it was probably about two feet, maybe a foot and a half high. And then as you got in the more towards the back of the trailer, where we, we had this like kind of addition part built on like a single room built on the, the back side of it. It got to like a foot. The problem with that is there was a bunch of spiders under there. So like if you crawled under there, like the spiders would think you're prey. So they're like dropping you know down on you. So what I would have to do in the wintertime is we had this, uh, it was kind of a paper tube. 
and it ran from the one heating vent that worked down the living room area to this back bedroom where, you know, the kids slept. And that's the only way we had heat in the winter. Otherwise we'd have froze to death. And so what would happen is this like skunks would get under the trailer in the winter, tear open the tube because they're trying to get warm too. I mean, come on. Right. Right. Uh, And and so they'd crawl under there and they'd be in the tube. So I'd have to go under there, crawl under there. And just, I was really small growing up. I'm still kind of a smaller, shorter guy, but growing up, like around this age, I like just picture a toddler in your head, like toddler sized kid in your head crawling under this trailer with a flashlight that half the time didn't freaking work and a roll of duct tape. And you're crawling back in the darkness and, and you're hoping, number one, the spiders don't get you because there was uh, poisonous spiders dropping on you. And then you also uh, hope that there's no skunks in there or anything else because sometimes I'd go in there, there'd be skunks and I'd have to like try to scurry back out real quick and run for my life. So, and I got sprayed a couple of times, but you're, you're crawling <laughs> under there, you know, and, and you're trying to wrap this up with the duct tape to try to, you know, keep the heat in or whatever. And I had to keep doing that over and over growing up. And so when I actually create things, you know, including the book, it's not, it's, you know, and yes, it's to help, you know, everybody, right. You know, yay, warm and fuzzy feeling. But in reality, I'm trying to help that little kid under the trailer. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give him like, for example, the book, I actually was able to get it in the library. I used to spend a lot of time in growing up. It's, uh, they wow. haven't, they'll get it later this week. I ship, I ship them a copy. And, uh, and, but I want with what I wanted with that is I want that little kid in a trailer or in the hood in a city that that's having a real crappy life right now to pick up that book. And oh, I also got it in a, in a community college locally here as well. I just got the email back from them today. So, That's bam. Awesome. Uh, but anyways, you know, I want I want a kid to be able to pick up that book or watch a course or something of mine. Probably pick up the book and, and just believe in themselves, right? They're just like, oh, I can do something different. It just because I had people that did that for me. I I had um, when I, I'll share another story and then we'll, we'll move on. Uh, when I was in, um, I think it was freshman. Yeah, it was freshman year. So I got called down to the principal's office, and I was a fighter growing up. I got in a lot of fights. So I was like, oh, what, what did I do now, right? You know, you're, you're expecting, expecting the worst. So I go down there, and, and I go in the principal's office, and he's like, you know, sit down, you know, an aggressive voice and stuff. I'm like, well, somebody ratted me out for something. And so <laughs> I, I, I sit down, and he's like, he, hands me, he like slides this piece of paper across his desk. And, I, I, and I'm just like, what's this, you know? And he said, one of your teachers recommended you for, they called it a talent search scholarship. I don't know the name of it now or the official name, but basically he, some teacher, I think it was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, something recommended me for this uh, scholarship program at the community college in the next town over. I mean, I, like I said, I was poor. I had no money for college. Like that was not even an option in my head. And so, you know, I was heading down the wrong track in life at that point. And so like, that was a huge moment for me because somebody believed in me and it let me know that somebody believed in me. And like, I took it somewhat seriously. I'm come on my high schooler, so I'm still partying and stuff, but, but I took it pretty seriously and like focused. That was kind of like the, the grounding factor there. And then I'll share one last story on that. But anyways, uh, one last story on that is, uh, I was partying a little too much, uh, oh. just drinking water. Cause Imagine you know, you're that. Age. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It never happens. Yeah. Uh, you're just drinking water back then. Cause you know, it's illegal for you to get alcohol and stuff back. Sure. Then. Yeah. Illegal. Sure. Um, and so I was partying too much, but I got called down to the counselor's office uh, junior year. And it was, uh, it was the first semester of junior year, very right at the beginning. And, and he sat me down. I, I don't remember his name, gray haired guy. And he's like, look, you're going to lose your scholarship if you don't get your grades up. Cause I, I'm going to have like a below a 2.0 at that point. And you had to have a 2.0 minimum to, uh, to keep the scholarship 2.0. I think it was actually a 2.5 you had to get okay. to, to keep that. And so I got my, like, like, First semester junior year, I got my SHIT together and I buckled down and I pulled off 4.0s throughout it and graduated with, um, I, th- I don't think I got a 3.0. I think I hit like 2.9 or something and some change or whatever. Hey man, Who we're cares? rounding I, up. Yeah, I got above the minimum, right? That's all that matters, right? You that, know, pe- people get, ah, I need straight A's. No, you don't. You need a C and you pass, you know, whatever. So, um, but that, so, but you know, that sharing that to say that, that somebody planted that seed way back then, which with enough hard work and dedication and everything, of course, because you can't just sit on the couch like a lazy ass, but with enough work and stuff got me to where I am now, where I'm having this impact. And I, and I, and I, and when I create content or anything, whether that's video or, or books or, or posts or, or whatever, that's the impact I'm trying to have is that there'll be somebody getting a seed planted and they'll go on to do something. It doesn't have to be in cyber. It might just be, you know, I mean, it, doctor, it lawyer, be, whatever, president, yeah. who knows? 
We definitely need better presidents. So please. You know, well, uh, that, that's we now that topic we could get into a lot of stories about, right? Oh, tons. Uh, and and if you want hate mail, we can definitely talk about that. And I'll get it no get... matter what. So. <laughs> so, you know, two questions on this. Mm-hmm. So uh, two, I want two secrets from you. So one, right. you you come across as a very positive human being and given your background and how you've gotten to such a successful place, what was your secret to avoid being the victim? The always me, bad things only happen to me. You know, I, I was headed on the wrong path. And I think that for me, I think it was that, that, um, that scholarship, right? Cause I had, I had friends that were moving a lot of narcotics and stuff like that. Um, in fact, one of my friend's dads was uh, in organized crime. One of the one of the biggest things he actually said to me was was very impactful, and I learned to be very. I don't like the word humble because because I think that degrades how much work you're putting into things. If you actually look up the definition of it, but I think that um, I think that what he said is the best way to say it. I don't know a better way to say it. The thing he said to me was basically, "Real gangsters move in silence." And and if you actually look at organized crime, like that's true, right? It's like they, real organized criminals are more business minded, and, and you know it's a business. You got to run the business, and sure they're doing the nefarious things as well as part of the business, but they're very quiet on what they're doing, as opposed to someone on the street corner, obviously in front of the the liquor store, obviously slinging dope. Like you can spot it right. a million miles away. Oh yeah, I mean it's a so, dead giveaway, right? It's you can a dead get giveaway. the crackhead, yeah. you can get the pot dealer. Yeah, Imagine. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so you that's, don't want to... To, yeah. So to me, that's a lesson I think for anyone, as you become more successful in your life and career and stuff, I think you need to, instead of using the word humble and, 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 and again, if you really dig into the definition of that, you would be, words are very important by the way. So you'd be really downgrading your success, which you shouldn't do, but you also shouldn't be out there like throwing it in people's faces constantly. So I think the, I think that quote is honestly the best thing I could ever share advice-wise on, on how to deal with success is real gangsters move in silence and really just let your success speak for itself. You don't have to go out there constantly. Like, it's okay to kind of, like, I plugged a book, right? I'm like, oh, look, we're helping people or we're doing this or that. I'm not trying to sell more copies of the book. I could care less, right? You're not going to make trillions of dollars off a freaking book. But I want to get the book in more hands, so maybe that'll get someone to share the poster or whatever. But I think you I think you just need to maybe maybe remember that phrase as you become more successful in your life and career. There's a plethora of cybersecurity podcasts. In fact, it's one of the topics out there that is very well written about and very well talked about. But it seems like no one is listening. And I I, I kid you not. I you just because if they were, there's such good advice given, not just here, but in the our colleagues they have great shows. You are one of the few that's gotten the year of the audience. What's your secret on such a dry topic? Yeah, you've just got to relate it to things they actually care about at the end of the day. Like, not to knock any podcasts. There's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of great podcasts. There's a lot of great information. I know a lot of people with them. There's uh, this place called Dark Rhino that has a really cool podcast as well. And, <laughs> but I think that the, 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 the general public doesn't care at all about security like they they literally don't but when you relate it to things they care about that's when you can get the message across so for example nobody cares about a ransomware attack the general public they could care less i i don't care about ransomware but and they don't care about they don't care about hackers let's be real they don't care about hackers but when i say hey do you want someone to look at your little girl through the baby monitor no do you want to protect against that yeah how do i do that oh do these couple of things right you don't need to dive into the the theory of whatever to, to you, people get too technical, like make it as stupid as possible. Like pretend like, and actually a few, few people that I brought on my show, I made them explain like a ransomware attack to like a little kid. And, and it's interesting to see like oh. every, how everyone does it, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to take whatever the topic is and break it down. For example, if you want to talk about defense in depth, Nobody cares. Nobody, except for like technical people. Nobody else cares about defense in depth. I but can agree saying, with that. Experientially, exactly. I completely yeah. agree with you. Nobody Ex- gives exactly. a rat's ass. But yeah. but you know what you do? You say, do you like Mexican food? And they say, yeah. And you're like, do you like tacos? Okay, cool. Do you like tortillas? Yeah, of course. All right, great. So think of defense in depth this way. 
think about it like I have a taco and I want to add things to it, right? Because I want to make a really yummy taco. And so I add maybe avocados or spinach or meat or cheese, salsa, whatever you like. I have not had lunch yet. And now thanks for that. Well, and I knew that because I hacked your laptop earlier. So I knew this. And so that's why I brought up the taco thing. But but you you layer it, right? Another another good example is like defense in depth, which I actually have used in trainings before is think of it like your house. So you and your neighbor side by side, same house design and everything. But and both of you have really big screen TVs and a lot of jewels and money and all that stuff in the house you want to protect. Your neighbor has nothing to protect it. You have a fence, you have a dog, you have security system, you know, cameras and stuff everywhere. Maybe you put landmines in your yard. I don't know what you do. If you're in Texas like me, maybe you do some weird things to protect your house. Land there's, a lot of weird, there's a lot of, hey, hey, I don't go to small towns in Texas for a reason. So I'll just leave it like that. Uh, but you know, you have different things in place, right? So when, when a bad guy comes and they're like, I want to steal that TV, they look at your place. that has got a fence and dogs and all this stuff going on. They look at your neighbor where they can just walk in the front door that's unlocked. They're going to go usually go to them, right? Because it makes sense. Path of least resistance. Criminals, as a general rule of thumb, are lazy. Just like criminal hackers or groups like that, they're they're lazy, right? What what's the path of least resistance? Well, I can get Larry an account and click on something, so I can get in. Or I could go try to do all these fancy hacks and stuff, but I could just socially engineer Larry in accounting and get in every single freaking time. That's the way I'm going to go. So you just have to like relate anything you're talking about around cyber to really get it across to people. First off, you need to figure out like who is a person and what they're interested in. So that requires you to like actually talk to them and listen a little. Ah, oh. and, and then from there, oh. you can find out like what they like. Maybe they like dogs or cats or they travel a lot or whatever. So you could say like, hey, when you're out traveling, do you take a lot of photos and stuff to kind of you know get those memories and stuff to share? Oh yeah, I share them all the time on social media. Okay, well, what would happen? And do you take them with your phone? Yeah. Well, what would happen if somebody attacked your phone and you couldn't use it? Can you still take the photos? Well, yeah, I can. Okay, well then what happens next when they attack your social media accounts and they start posting like random nude photos from random porn videos instead <laughs> of your vacation photos? Oh, and then it, become, it becomes something that people start caring about, right? Well, so at least that's people what, that's will be listening then. I can well, tell at least you they listen, right? You can't control <laughs> what they actually do, but at least they listen. And a good example is like business owners, unless they're in the tech space, they don't give a they don't give a damn about cyber. They really don't. Most of them don't, because they're worried about sales and marketing. Like I'm trying to grow my business. I don't give a shit about this tech stuff. But when their social media accounts hacked because they didn't enable two factor authentication, that's when they. I've had several reach out to me like, "What do I do?" I'm like, well, or they wrote a check for a whole bunch of money that they shouldn't have written because somebody right, yeah. social engineered uh -huh. them. Yeah, now all, it's all, all of a things. sudden an interesting problem. Yeah, which... your uh, your your crypto account gets hacked, so now your you know eighty thousand dollars you had in there you don't have anymore. So th these little things, right? But but when you when you relate it to examples that people actually care about in their everyday lives, that's the that's the secret. That's the secret to get them actually care. You know, you've brought up in, in your answer several things that are pitfalls with the impressions people have about cybersecurity and teaching both. So one observation, and this is one that is that if you can't break down the topic into something that's digestible, i.e. if you've forgotten what it's like to be blind, you shouldn't be teaching, right? If you, you, you make too many assumptions about what people know and what they understand, and you should assume they understand nothing, right? The second thing is the perceived technical nature of the topic that is cybersecurity, right? People often don't, they're like, well, that's such a technical topic. It's all about firewalls and routers and EDR and XDR and AI, and none of that stuff I know anything about. Yeah, and so that I'm, is unfortunately a, a myth, and that causes a lot. It's causing a lot of dysfunction out there. But I'll let you comment on this. Yeah, so I'll comment on both of those. Number one, I'm checking off as you mentioned all those terms. I'm checking off my buzzword bingo cards. Oh, so I'm pretty. I'm pretty close. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't know what I win. Probably some ransomware. I don't know. But um, <laughs> so touching on the first thing you you mentioned there, as far as uh, teaching, so. When I create content, I'm always, I, I have a grandmother, I won't say her name, 
but she doesn't touch the internet and she doesn't do social media, any of that stuff. Like okay. she's completely non-technical. Like if you thought of, if you could picture in your head, like the old lady that people always think is non-technical, she's it. And so when I teach anything, I build the content as if I'm talking to grandma and I have to explain it. And, and that forces me. And, and if you know your stuff, you should be able to do this. You, I don't care what level you are as a practitioner. If you actually know the thing, you should be able to break it down for someone that's not technical to understand it. And again, going back to relating it to things from everyday life. So that's when I create content, I always focus on grandma. And I'm fortunate that I have one that's not technical, but just think of if you, if you don't have a grandma that's like that, if your grandma's a hacker or whatever, then just think of my grandma that's totally not technical and, and figure out how you would explain it to her without any technical terms whatsoever. Okay. And for me, she likes she likes to cook and bake and stuff. So I, I anything I would want to teach, I would have to use that as an example for her to be able to understand it. Otherwise, she would just be like, I don't know what you're talking about and, and ignore me. I don't even think she watches. She doesn't watch a lot of TV either. So like she's totally electronic. Totally not, unplugged. Not, yeah, exactly. I, I like, yeah, I, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. Um, so that that's that's the main thing there. And cybersecurity as itself. Yeah. People hear a term like that. Some people don't even know what the hell cyber is. You say cybersecurity, they're like, what is that? And, and you have to explain it to them. And you ha and again, you have to explain it like they would understand. Like they don't know any, you start blah, blah, blah on some definition you find in the book. They're gonna be like, you know, deer in the headlights, tuned out, like whatever. Uh, so with cybersecurity, number one, you don't need technical skills to get, and, and, I'll, and I'll put this out there and it's gonna piss a lot of people off. Probably a lot of people are gonna get pissed off by this, but I don't think you need to have technical skills for your very first job. You need to have knowledge regardless of what, you know, what job you're, you're going into, but to get your very first entry level cybersecurity job, you do not need to put your hands on a keyboard, in my opinion, because the reason I say this is because I speak with a lot of companies and a lot of hiring yeah. managers, and none of them give a damn that you've worked with Splunk or something because they can train all of that. They just need you to have a general idea of what the hell is going on. And then they'll take you and put you through paid training to get you the hands-on technical skills. I think there's a disconnect there because what you see on social media right. is everybody, number one, everybody that can't get a damn cyber job is saying, let's do a hundred day challenge. What the hell is that supposed to do for you? Nothing. And I get it. There, there's some value there whatever, but like, let's be real. You need to focus on a couple of main things. Number one, your personal brand. Number two, your networking. Figure out how you can network with the right people at the companies you're looking for, not just the jobs you're trying to find. Cause 90, probably at least 90% or more of cyber jobs are never advertised. They're never going to be advertised. You get them because you've made a connection with someone and, and you say, for example, I, I don't like to use SOC analysts. So I'll say GRC analyst or privacy okay. analyst, right? So, so you tell Ken that you're looking at that as a career and I see you working hard on, on LinkedIn, you're building your brand as you're learning things, you're sharing it, trying to help other people. And then when Minaj is like, Hey, Ken, I'm looking for someone. We just came out of a meeting. I'm looking for someone that that's entry level that could jump into a GRC role. That's, you know, willing to put in the work. We'll train them. We need someone that's willing to put in the work. Guess who I'm going to say? I'm going to say your name, right? Cause you come to mind because you've shown that, mm -hmm. that you built that real connection, right? So you've shown that you're someone that I can stamp my brand in. And I think there's a big disconnect when people talk about networking. There's, um, what do they call it? The lions, like LinkedIn, whatever networker bullshit is what they are. Yeah. But um, what, whatever they call master, them. I, no, I forget what it's called. Yeah. The, the, you, master jackass. They're master yeah. jackasses. So call them MJ from now on, master jackass. And so <laughs> that's the wrong way to network. You don't just get a bunch of connections and, and please, please give me, give me. Build real relationships with people. And then that way they feel comfortable stamping their brand on you. Because if I stamp my brand on you, that means that I would feel comfortable hiring you. And that goes a long ways for the person on the other side that has a job opening because they know I'm not going to send them a jackass just because someone connects with me on LinkedIn. They're going to, they know that I'm only going to send them someone that's been vetted and you can get vetted. Even if I've never met you in person by being that person that builds a personal brand, you know, shows, you know, something gives back to the community, et cetera, et cetera. But you that's know what, to do, those things. to do all those things, you got to work at it, right? You so got to work. Well, that's the, that's the thing that four letter word that blocks so many people, right? Work. People, I don't want to, oh, that's a lot of work. Of course it is. Like, do you think that, that, you know, you and do people really think that like you or I just sit around eating bonbons all day long? I don't even know if they have bonbons. No, I heck, man, I haven't even had lunch and you got me into tacos. So like, <laughs> tacos, yeah. bon, bonbons <laughs> yeah. for dessert and stuff. Yeah. But it, it takes a lot of work. It's not going to be easy. And getting your first job 
like that's nothing compared to like what you're going to have to keep putting in. And that's why it's important to build that muscle when you're starting out, build that muscle of like, I'm willing to put in the work and, and do what I need to. The other thing I'll just add on the job thing, since I, I kind of took us there is be open to not getting the job you want as your first job. What do I mean? Yeah. Guess what? There's a ton of sales jobs, marketing jobs, technical writer jobs, all these jobs that you wouldn't think of that don't have cybersecurity in the job title that can get you into that company like Splunk. And then from there, guess what? You can move laterally throughout the company, just like a you know a criminal hacker. Move Which laterally is exactly, ironically, what a cybersecurity support professional is supposed to prevent is lateral movement. So right, right. But you can do that at security companies. Yeah, you know, use use the tools against it. But but so many people, right, are so hell bent on I got to be a SOC analyst. I want to be a pen tester, and so they're unemployed for like two three years when they could just take a sales SDR job, work the phone. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, every first job sucks. I worked a lot of jobs. We can dig into that. I worked a lot of jobs that sucked. But but you could get in and you can make maybe 60, 80 grand here in the U.S. base salary with some bonus structure or whatever. Right. That's not the point of all that. The point of all that is get something on your resume. And, and if that company has other openings, you know, if it's like a Splunk or Trend Micro or some in the world, you can start moving laterally after like six to 12 months because they're going to be like, oh, well, you're already vetted. You know, the company culture. You're you're here. You blend in sure. you work with a lot of teams. You're much more easy to hire for me as a hiring manager even if you don't have the experience than it is to bring in someone more senior for that role. I'd rather train you up because you're already here. We know you're going to stay because you're, you're bought into the company vision. Whereas some person applying for the job, you know, that, and that's a way you can get past people with experience too. And people just don't realize that. I think they realize that they just don't listen to me or any others that say it well, on social media, but that's, that's, that's the fastest way to get a cyber job. And I'll tell you right now, the people that have listened and done that, they're usually getting jobs within two weeks. So you can really wait, that, wait in your hand. No, that's real. That's real. It's been, you know, two, it depends on the hiring process of the company. So it might be up sure, to, her, but, but well, most look, of them I, are, I agree with you. Weeks. Yeah. I agree it's, with you, Ken. It, it happens it, relatively quickly if you find the right person and, and what they don't realize a lot of times you're hiring for that personality. You're hiring for that, that fit within the organization. It's just not the technical. Granted, I will say there are some roles where you do need the technical background and, and you really want that. But entry level, there's a we right. good yeah, clay. Yeah. You want yeah. the good clay. That's what you're no, looking exactly. for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People with the two main things, right? The right attitude, the right aptitude. Like, are you, are you going to fit in with the company? And, and are you, or are you a negative Nancy, so to speak? Right? Are you going to be a, a jerk? As soon as you come in and poison the rest of the team, right? It only only takes one bad apple oh. to spoil a bunch. And, and do you have the right aptitude? And and what I mean by that is, like, can we actually train you? Are you trainable, or do you think you know everything already? If you're trainable and and you can fit in into different teams that are going to be very diverse, sure. Then I can train you in everything, and I can literally train someone non-technical and anything technical that I want to. It might take them a little longer to get things, but if I, as a hiring manager in the company, get the right people, like you said, I can, if I get the right mold, so to speak, I can mold that into someone really, really great in the company within a short period of time, three to six months in many cases. So yeah, I, you know, I think, I think when we hear the term cybersecurity, we immediately think technical and we run, run like hell away from oh, it. If we're it, not it it's a, it's a big road. It's a mental roadblock for a lot of people to transition out of whatever they're doing now into mm -hmm. uh, a career that that would be more fulfilling for them. They're like, oh, I'm no good with computers. I I never code. I'm not a computer science guy. You, you hear a huge laundry list of things, uh, but you're absolutely right. If you're willing to put the work in and it's a vision that you have, you can absolutely get into this industry. It's a young industry. There's a lot more jobs than there are people. You can do it. It, it can be done. So let's say you established your brand you've done that work how do you hack the interview itself you actually wrote a book on this topic <laughs> yeah so so the book <laughs> the cybersecurity interview books shameless plug again right yes please um I where can we you, find so you, it we can find it at uh any of the local yeah. booksellers yeah you can find uh so you can find it online amazon barnes and noble stuff like that there's also a number of libraries uh public libraries here in the u.s and also uh, college libraries uh, community college and also some universities that have started okay. to um, put orders in. I will say that if you go to like your local public library, just tell them to buy the book. Like, Hey, I'm looking for this book. If they say we don't have it, it's like, are you going to buy it? 
And so that way they can put an order in and get, get some copies there for you. That way you don't have to buy the book. You know, you can make that. They got, they always have budget set aside make the companies invest in you, right? You know, even if it's a public library, they get budget, they have to use. So help them use the budget in a good way. But yeah, so the hacking the interview process, the book itself goes over a number of different roles that a lot of people are looking at, including okay. sales engineering. A lot of people don't look at that, but I mentioned that's a good route. That's a very in. important role, by the hint, way. Hint, it's hard wink, to find. Wink. And you can make no, a lot is, yeah. of money at that. You, you can. The other thing it does is it really forces you to work with with people, right? You're going to deal, especially in an SDR role, you're going to be dialing the phone a lot. So you're going to heal all sorts of excuses and objections. Guess what? That may suck while you're going through it, but that's going to help you as you grow in your career and you start having to go before the board to get more budget for your cyber team. Now you know how to negotiate. You're used to objections. You're used to overcoming them in a professional manner instead of just you know saying F you and hanging up the phone. You know how to address those different individuals and the things that they care about. Sales roles are so... So um, I forget, I can't think of the term to use, but kind of underwritten, right? Like they're like, like underestimated people underestimate them so much, but like learning sales can, can help you in so many cyber roles, oh, no matter where you go. It's, it's a great foundation. Same with marketing. If you learn the fundamentals of marketing, you can literally get into any company you want to, even if you don't have the experience you're looking for, because you know how to market yourself appropriately for whatever that job is. So these are like fundamental skills that people overlook because they're like, I want to be a sock analyst. I want to be a pen tester. I, I got to hack things, you know, blah, 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 you know, slow pen clap, you know, the number that slow one. golf clap. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. And it's like, you hear it you all really the time. Understand, yeah. People don't, I don't think people understand how hard it is to get a junior pen tester role with no IT background whatsoever. It's, you really have to have someone that's willing to take a chance on you, which goes back to the branding, right. uh, networking, you know, that's that sort of stuff. And it's very rare for that to happen. So people get make it mad by that, but that's very rare. Getting 1% on try hack me that honestly for real, for hiring managers, people will lie to you on social media. People lie all the freaking time. So a lot of people will be like, Oh yeah, try hack, try hack me one top 1% or whatever percent. That's the key, you know, and, and I only hire people with that, you know, blah, blah. Those people don't hire shit. They don't hire anybody. They don't have a, but they don't, they're not hiring managers. There are other people that are trying to get a job. They don't know anything and not to knock them. Like they know stuff, but, like they don't know anything about getting a job because they're trying to get a job too. So like, I why love would it. You We're going to get so much hate mail. This is going to be great. And I don't care. <laughs> like whatever you can hate. So I, uh, I was a guest on um, the cybersecurity marketing society, you know, their podcast with uh, yeah. and uh, um, Maria a while back. Uh, I think it was last month in July, but anyways, I, I was on there and I, and I talked about my block party. So yeah. I have a block party and it's been going on for years on social media. And so I'm happy to add anybody that wants to hate. I put you on the block party. I don't know what music's playing there. That's still up for debate. I have no idea, but you get blocked. <laughs> you get an invite right away. Happy to send you there. And you never have to worry about hearing from me again because you'll be blocked, right? So you know, that, yeah, we'll get hate mail. It's refreshing but to hear somebody say what all of us have known for quite some time. Uh, and what yeah. you're speaking is the truth of, of the matter here. Yeah, and it's and and you know it's it's not because all of us are trying to be jerks by telling people this. It's we're trying to tell you the real. We're trying to pull you aside like mom or dad in a way, and, and tell you like it really is, right? Or that good friend or something. Like we're trying to pull you aside like them and say like, look, you're lied to because a lot of companies want to make money off you for certs and degrees and boot camps sure. or whatever. And again, there's a lot of great programs out there. Not going to knock them, but let's be real. A lot of people are broke. They're trying to get into cyber because they want to get a job that pays well. Of course, they want to yep. help and whatever the other reason is. But reality is you don't, you know, feel good doesn't pay the bills. You need a job that pays the bills. Cyber can be very lucrative depending on what you do. And right. so we're all just trying to tell you like it really is so we can help set you up for success. Some people are going to hate. Some people are not going to listen. But maybe somebody a year from now that that said F you when they first heard this episode will be in a different spot in their life mentally and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe they, that they, advice they kind of told good. it like it was. Yeah, exactly. That, that was good advice. Let me try that. And all of a sudden, two weeks later or a month later, they get their dream job because they finally listen. I myself, I've had situations like that, not cyber stuff, but like there's books that I've bought where like I, I buy the book and then like I read like one page. I'm like, this sucks. And I set it on the shelf. <laughs> but then like two years later, I'm looking for an answer and I see that book. I'm like, oh, cool. I, I got a lot of times I'm on Amazon. I'm like, oh, I bought that book. And I go look at my shelf like, oh, there it is. And, and so then I, I look at it and I'm like, oh, there's the answer I was looking for. What a great book. So understand that you may be hating right now on what we're saying on this episode, but 
a year from now, five years from now, whatever, you may be like, that was some really good advice because now you're in a different mindset. So that's why I don't care about the hating because it doesn't matter to me. If, if, if at some point in the future you look at this and it helps you, that's all, that's all, honestly, all any of us so, care about. That's why we share our knowledge on these things. Now, do you have um, any kind of an opinion on going to a cybersecurity career versus doing something else? Is there any uh, bias you have or partiality you have towards cybersecurity as a new career or to reinvent yourself in? If you will. Yeah, fastest way to make cash is sell drugs, but that's illegal. So you'll go to jail. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, I mean, cybersecurity can be lucrative. I I recommend. I recommend. I always recommend people actually do an IT job first, if possible. You may not be in a situation where you can take a lower paying job, or whatever. But I, I recommend that if if you can, and specifically, maybe help desk. But I'd say networking. I, I think that that's number one. I like it, so I'm a little biased. But I, I think it's a good, it gives you a good exposure to an organization. You can kind of see things at an enterprise level, et cetera. So I think, I think something like that, if you were going kind of more the technical route, if you wanted to, what people, what people forget, I think, is that just about, I mean, every job in the world has some kind of cyber component in it. You, you do some kind of security. So as an example, sure. I used to be a pediatric nurse. And so when I would. Really? Um, yeah. 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 Oh, so okay. I worked with. So, All right. so, so to make everyone listening to this say, oh, uh, so I used to work with, uh, I did, I did adults for a little bit, cardiology, electrophysiology, hospice, adults whine all the time. So I went to work with kids. And so kids are really cool. You know, they, they like, they got all this going on, but they're still like doo -doo -doo on the video game. They don't care. Uh, so I worked with, uh, I worked with very little babies that were very critical. They had wow. events and trachs and, and a lot of times they would do what we call code. So basically they stopped breathing and you got to bring them back and all that stuff. And I worked in the home environment. So like you're the first responder, right? Like you've got to bring them back. Ambulances wow. take forever. So you've got to be able to bring them back. So you have to keep your skill sets up. So a very, very fun job, very rewarding. You know, a lot of kids, you get to kind of watch them grow up for the ones that do make it. And, you know, unfortunately there's some that don't make it and, and things like that. But um, where, where I'm going with that is when I went back into IT and then cyber, or what we call cyber now, you know, because that's sexy. Cybersecurity is sexy, right. a sexy term to use. But but when I would go teach like security awareness to uh, healthcare staff, I was able to then relate it to what they cared about. Again, going back to what they care about. So I was able to pull real examples where they where they would know like what security is and what they're doing. So for example, I'd be like, look, when you're charting on a patient and you you know you got to get away from the computer, you normally lock the computer or you turn the monitor on, you know, something. So nobody else looks at the screen and they're like, yeah. And some of them were like, you know, they did the, yeah. Like, you know, they really didn't, weren't doing that. They were just leaving the screen up. And, and you're like, well, the reason you want to do that is because number one, HIPAA and other regulations, like right. if, if an auditor comes in, if an auditor comes in, they see that screen up and nobody around, you're getting in trouble, whoever that nurse is. And you may lose your license or you might get a ding against your license. Now you can't pay your bills. Do you like to, you know, we all don't like to pay bills, but do you like to do vacation? They're like, yeah, I love vacation. All right. You wouldn't have money for vacation if you lose your license, right? Because you got to figure out a new job and stuff like that. So going back to relating it, right? That's that's what you do. And so if you're out there looking at, looking at like cybersecurity as a, as a career right now, and you're like, well, how the heck do my transferable skills come across to cyber? I'll give you a couple examples. I gave the nursing one, like... Uh, you're following a process as a nurse. You're able to, if you do like a, a blood draw or something, or if you put an IV in somebody, you're following a process, you're maintaining patient safety. These are all things you should be putting on your resume because these are keywords that will pull up like, oh, they can follow a process. Okay, they maintain patient safety, so they can do that for a patient. They can do it for records that we have, or they can do it for our critical data or services yeah. or whatever. Um, same thing with someone working at a grocery store, sock and shelves. You're following a process to stock the shelves and label things and, and do whatever. So there's a lot of a lot of those jobs out there that you're doing right now that have transferable skills. You just have to figure out whatever the heck those things are that that lead into cyber. So that was a very long-winded way to say that I think that there are there are a lot of careers out there that are outside of the cybersecurity realm, and I think you have to do what makes you happy. Like for me, I found we have a number of companies, and so one of them is a credit repair business, and I've actually found that I like credit stuff. I don't necessarily like working with people and, you know, doing that stuff, but I liked, I liked the knowledge of it. Right. Cause I didn't have all that financial education growing up. And so I think that you have to explore 
things that interest you. If that's cyber right now, if that's something in cyber right now, then that's cool. If you're just getting into it to, oh, it's, a you know, these, these media places are putting out that there's millions of jobs open and they're all paying multi six figures. And now, you know, you'll be yeah, a millionaire sure. in a year and all this, you know, BS, then that's the wrong reason, right? It's okay to, so with that, I say like explore with free and low cost learning first, see if it's even something you want to do. If it even interests you at all, if it doesn't, then put it aside, you know, maybe there's some area of cyber that does, right. but if none of it does, then look at something else, find something that interests you because there's a lot of burnout in this industry. There's a lot of stress you deal with, especially depending on the role. There's, there's a lot of instances where geopolitics gets mixed into private sector cybersecurity stuff. Sure. Now. So you may find yourself with a hit team after you and you're just trying to do your job. You know, so like there's, you know, these are rare cases, right? Things like that. But all these things can happen where it causes a lot of stress in your life. I'm not saying that to scare anyone away from cybersecurity careers, but I'm saying like you should do what makes you happy because you don't know if tomorrow you're going to get hit by a bus, right? So if, if you're trying a, a, a lot of different cyber areas through like free courses and you're like, I don't nothing's really clicking for me. I don't really like any of this stuff find something that clicks for you. Maybe that's knitting sweaters and that's okay. Maybe for the next six months, you put out courses on how to knit sweaters. Maybe you make millions, who knows? And, and then from there, maybe you come back to the cyber stuff and you're like, you know what? I really like to do forensics now. I, I kind of like it now. So that's, that's not really answering your question. I don't think, but I think no, it's but it did. It did. It did. Do what you love. Do what you love, right? Do what you love. Uh, but you, you also just a second ago mentioned forensics. So I got to ask the question here. You've done so many interviews I, and you, we go to your channel, you see it's an eclectic mix. So of, 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 of all the, uh, <laughs> of all the advice you've been given or people have talked about, what is there, can you boil it down to some salient things that companies should be doing that actually makes them safer that genuinely mitigates their risk what has been your impression from the knowledge you've gained i mean there's no one thing right i think i think companies I a lot of a lot of companies do their best effort i think when when people look from the outside on these issues like oh a data breach ah you know kill them you know um i think that people don't realize like how complex things in like some people are like oh just secure your s3 buckets because that was a leak but there's like 400,000, you know, like there's going to be mistakes made even with automation. So I think the, I think the thing to realize if you're someone maybe getting in, and I guess maybe the, we'll talk to two ends on the company side, there's a lot of best practice information out there. There's a lot of good podcasts and things like that. Like the cyber wire has a good one out there. Dark Rhino's got okay. good stuff. You know, there's a lot of them out there that share a lot of best practices depending on the domain. You know, that, that you know, for example, cloud security, right? The cloud security podcast with the yeah. sheesh, you know, phenomenal. He's a phenomenal guy, always dresses well too. And, you know, a lot of good information shared on there. So I think depending on what problem you're trying to solve in the organization, whether you're a SMB or enterprise company, find podcasts and other places with that information to, to learn from people with boots on the ground in there of what they're doing to, to better, you know, secure things. Okay. That's number one. Number two, if you're someone trying to get into stuff, same thing, whatever you want to, whatever kind of thing you want to learn, just immerse yourself in podcasts and learn from people that have been there already. So, yeah, I mean, there's frameworks, there's all these things out there already, right? Like companies are already doing a lot of these things. And I think the other thing that I'll just mention is that whether you're currently in or you're trying to get your first job, there's a good book. I'm going to, I'm going to shamelessly plug, I'm not going to grab it from the shelf, but it's called the, the CISO Evolution. So the CISO, C-I-S-O, for those that don't know how to sell it. The CISO Evolution, great book on how you can communicate the cyber stuff to the business side. Because at the end of the day, a business is a business and cyber is just one very minute component of the risk of that company. They got a lot of other things going on. And, that, and, right. and if you're able to take that minute area and communicate it to the broader organization of why this minute thing affects all these other things, and why it's so important, that's going to really help you in your career, no matter what level you are right now. So I think that's a great book that, that breaks down oh. that and also breaks down like financial things because a lot of people suck at finances. The other thing I will I will say is if it's in your budget, Udemy, not to 
plug you to me because they're not giving me they're not giving any of us endorsements but if you want to sponsor dark rhino on an episode you to me just reach out to them and sponsor their, their show <laughs> but um Udemy has a low cost. Uh, I think I think you just search for financial analyst. Um, I, I've taken the training before. That's why I say it's good. I, I don't remember the name of the course, but basically it's financial analyst training. And the reason I recommend that is you can learn the money of business. And if you speak the money of business, which is the language of business, if you speak the money, then that's going to help you so much in your career. So the book's a good thing. You can find that course on Udemy. The the key with Udemy is like wish list the course unless it's on sale and then just wait for like Monday, they usually run course, course sales on a Monday. So you can get it, get it on a discount. That's how Udemy usually works. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that because now they're going to change it up, but you can get the course for like 10 bucks or something like that. And, and I think it's good because you, you go through things like this. If you learn about money, that's what the business understands. And the more you understand that's money, right. the easier it is for you actually to accelerate your career. Like I understood money because I kept learning about it because I didn't know anything about it. And that's how I jumped into like management jobs, exec executive leadership, all that stuff very quickly. Whereas other people put in like 20 years and then they finally get like that mid-level manager job and, you know, still trying to work their way up because they don't right. understand the dollars. So if you can speak the language of money, which is the language of business, that's going to help you so much. I recommend those things. If you're just starting out trying to learn things, put the technical stuff, honestly, put the technical stuff aside for a couple of weeks, go through a course like that or read that book, The Sizzle Ev Evolution. It's by... Um, Oh damn! I can't read the author's name, but it's uh, Wiley. Wiley is a publisher. You find okay. it on Amazon. The Sizzle Re Revolution. Go through like the book, or go through a financial analyst course over on Udemy or something. Go through some YouTube videos, whatever. Learn the learn the language of money in a business, how things work, how you can project things, financial statements, things like that. Then you can come back to your technical studies. Because let's be real, if you're trying to get a sock job, or if you're trying to get a pen testing, <laughs> junior pen testing job, whatever, that's going to take you more than a couple ways to get. Sure. Because you're because those jobs everybody wants. So invest that time wisely. That's my advice on, on that aspect is no, like learn, really... learn money and you'll do very well in your career. Hey, you know what, Ken? You're providing actionable intelligence, which is something in cybersecurity that's very rare. Can <laughs> you know we're at the at the time here, but I wanted to uh, see if there was anything new that you're up to. Is there any new shows coming out that you're gonna be producing or you're you're getting into the world. It seems like you're uh, getting into an entirely new world. Uh, what's going on? Anything you want to plug here? Yeah. So, you know, we've been shamelessly plugging the book, the whole, the whole episode. Which is so fine. I'm, I'm you can plug that again if well, you'd I, like. I, I, yeah. Hack the cybersecurity interview. Get it off Amazon. But uh, the other thing is, yeah, we do have more uh, TV show episodes coming out. So Meryl Vernon, who's uh, well-known as a purple teamer. She uh, used to work for us. You know that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, okay. You're the place she said paid her ten million a year. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she was one of our threat hunters. Uh, great, yeah. great person. Very uh, yeah, knowledgeable. She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. So she'll have an episode coming out. Uh, Mike Jones, not the rapper, but someone more popular. He'll have an episode coming soon. Uh, I brought, uh, I brought uh, Joe Stymac back on again. He's the CEO of AccuHire.com. That's helped build out a lot of the interview programs at a lot of big companies like Bank of America, things like that. So he's actually going to come on for another episode. He shared information for job seekers before. Now he's coming back on to share for hiring managers and HR people as they want to build out programs like what should they be doing for their organization to help a lot of the smaller businesses out there because a lot of them have just really bad biased hiring processes. And so he's trying to help them with that. I also uh, interviewed recently another gentleman named Carl who does a lot of background checks. So he can find out everything about you. So he's gonna share information mm -hmm. for, for both sides, both job seekers and employers and sharing some stories about some of the interesting uh, results of background checks that, that he's done over the years in that episode. So yeah, there's a number of, of guests. Uh, Veronica Rose, who a lot of people might know, she's over in Kenya. She's a she's a, a auditor. She's a, with a um, what is it? Uh, is it Isaka that has a CISA cert or ISSA? Um, one, one of those two. But she she's a she's with them and stuff like that. Doing you know does some branding and stuff like that. So she she's very well known on the continent of Africa, especially in Kenya. And of course we all fantastic. we all know and love her. So this is a number of guests that'll be that'll be coming out and and it, so uh, shameless plug here. If you want to be on the show, if you've got something to share, reach out to me. I have a strict no jerk rule. So if you're a jerk, it's not going to be a good fit. Uh, but if you're not a jerk, feel free to come on and, and you know, just feel free to ping me. And um, of course we have, you know, we have sponsorship opportunities for, for the TV show. 
and I can send people the media kit if they want to you know, see what that looks like for their company. But um, yeah, I mean, I always happy to get more guests on. I just want to, I want to, I really created the TV show to give, give people in cyber a platform to just share their message, share their wisdom and, and really just share their story with the world. Cause a lot of people go through the same challenges. And right now they're looking at, at these different careers in cyber saying, well, I can't do that because of X. And right. in reality, someone else has already gone through that challenge and overcome it. And so that's why I want, I want people to be able to come on and, and share their message. I, I definitely recommend people check out the episode I did with uh, uh, Chip Harris. And, and you'll, you'll realize why I recommend that episode once you like visually see it. Uh, it's, it's just kind of kind of neat to talk to someone in that outfit. You know, just leave it as that. And, and so, you know, but I've got a lot of I've had a lot of great guests, you know, over over the time. You know, I've had Chris Roberts on, who's a very well-known hacker. Uh, Zed Savi, I've had on his another yeah. well-known hacker out of, out of Europe and Israel and stuff. Um, had, of course, you know, Mary Galloway, Tia Hopkins, yep. uh, Chris, Chris Fullen, Renee Small. I mean, just just all these big names in cyber have, uh, you know, have come on the show. And uh, Chris Kubeka, who's who's a very well-known hacker. Uh, she's she lives over in, in Europe and she's she's got so many interesting stories. It's, it's just just love her to get her on talking and. And, and she's very, she makes her own wine and, and stuff like that. So she's just a great personal overall. But I've I just been so fortunate with the show to bring a lot of great guests on. I'm always looking for more, you know. So again, I do have that strict no jerk rule. So if you're a jerk, don't worry about it. But if you're not a jerk, always happy to to, to bring you on the show. Fantastic. Well, you're doing great work, Ken. And uh, you're you're doing somebody a favor out there. And that's uh, that's meaningful. So thank you for that and keep that up. Yeah, no, thanks. And, and again, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Ken. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Hope to have you back sometime.